All right, let's get on task. So uh, today is the last week of knowing your enemy. And really what's going to be amazing about this study today is it's tying it all together. How when you start deceiving, you can't deceive without lying and tempting. And, uh, and so it kind of brings it all together. And I'm really excited about that. So today we're wrapping this up. And so uh, let's talk about this deceiver. So uh, Revelation 12, 9, which actually was the first passage of this series, says a great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. This is about the future. This is what's coming. What, what, what Revelation 12 is, was it talking about the past? It was talking about what's going to happen that has not happened yet. So the serpent, he's already saying that the serpent is going to deceive the whole world. Guys, can we not see that's already beginning to happen already? I mean, if we cannot open our eyes and see that in America, we're already filled with all kinds of deception. The churches are filled with all kinds of deception already. And yes, not to the point of the whole world, but we're coming there. That's where we're headed. So, let me tell you about what deception is. Deception is the act of causing someone to accept as true that which is false. Again, this is a great definition that we need to understand what deception is. We're going to know our enemy. We need to understand what it means. When it says that the devil is deceiving the whole world, what is he doing? It's the act of causing someone to accept as true that which is false. So the whole point of what the devil's trying to get you to do is to believe a lie is the truth. That's deception. He wants you to, to accept into your life as true that which is actually false. Truth, something you're going to hear over and over and over today, truth cannot be deceived because it's the truth. You cannot believe a lie and the truth at the same time. So in the book of 2 Corinthians or 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 it says this, the coming of the lawless one according uh, is according to the working of Satan. Now this is also in the future. This has not yet happened. This kind of goes with that Revelation 12, but I'm wanting you to see so the lawless, the coming of the lawless one, this is the Antichrist, this is what's going to happen, this is the, the prophecy of what's to come, the working of Satan with all the power signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. I want you to see the difference. After we talk about lying and deception, that's those who are perishing. They're the ones buying into the lies they're the ones being deceived because why? They did not receive the love of the truth. People who are deceived don't love the truth because they're the ones being tricked on believing a lie is the truth. So he says and, uh, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. And they all may be con condemned who did not believe the truth. You see, when you start talking about deception, you can't talk about deception without the opposite, which is truth. They're in conflict with one another. Now, something that's important for us to understand is this. Once deceived, 
The devil's work is complete. I want you to, I want you to really think about this because this is, I'm going to get real personal here in a little bit. So the devil, what he wants to do is he wants to deceive you. And once you're deceived, he's going to let you carry on his work in your own life. Let me give you an example. We've used this on and on and on and on, but it's a good one, right? So many of us believed at some point in our life that we weren't good enough. That's a lie, right? Anybody believed that before? You're not good enough. Um, I'm, I'm a failure. A lot, a lot of men struggle with the fear of failure. If you have a fear of it, that's a lie that you've already bought into. So when you start thinking about these lies that have already been told to you, right? Once he got you to buy in, once the devil got you to believe the lie, I'm not good enough. Anybody ever said that about themselves? I'm not good enough, right? That's the lie. You were deceived. You bought in. Then all of a sudden, everything out of your life began to revolve around the lie you believed, that you accepted. So he didn't even have to tell you anymore because now you're telling yourself. You see, the devil doesn't have to just trick you over and over and over. He has to deceive you once. Then you buy into the lie, you continue in the lie, and you tell yourself over and over the lie. Now you're living a deceived life. And we've done it, haven't we? Haven't we all done that? We believed the lie. We knew it was a lie, but we believed it anyways, and then we kept telling ourselves. See, all the devil has to do is get you to buy into it at first. Now he can leave you alone because you'll destroy yourself. Once he gets you to buy into the lie, once he deceives you, he'll leave you alone because you'll destroy yourself. And haven't we? Haven't we? Over and over and over once we, bought, once we started walking down that road, once we were deceived, we just carried it on. And then we walked into a road of self-deception. Self-deception is the practice. See, the deception was the act of causing someone to, to take as true that which is false. Self-deception is the practice of allowing oneself to believe that which is a false idea, feeling, or situation as true. You know the hardest people to help are the ones who are self-deceived because they're already bought into the lie. They've already bought into the devil's deception. Now they're walking around deceiving themselves. Have you ever met somebody who, who, who you know clearly has an issue in their life but they don't have a problem? Somebody who's, who's, who's abusing drugs or alcohol over and over and over and over and you're like, you got a problem. I can quit any time. Then quit. I don't want to. There's a problem. They're self-deceived because they're making up excuses. They don't ask for help because they don't need it. And yet everyone around them says, you need help. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. So they don't need help. They, don't have, they haven't done anything wrong because they're self-deceived. They believe they don't have a problem when they do. Self-deception. Let me give you eight verses in the Bible. It talks about not deceiving. Do not merely listen to the word and so what? Deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, how many times people walk into church, they hear a sermon, wow, that was good, and they don't do anything about it. You're deceiving. You walk out of these doors without applying the word of God to your life, you've deceived yourself. I didn't, I'm not making this up. Go look it. Look it up. James 1 and 22 through 24. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 1 John 1.8 If you say we have no sin, 
We are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. How many times will somebody say, well, it's not really my fault. If so-and-so was not doing this in my life, I wouldn't be doing this. How many times have we blamed someone else for our sin? How many times have we made excuses for our sin? Well, this happened to me a long time ago. That's why I'm doing it. We make so many excuses of why the sin is not a problem. I even had people tell me that their sin was an actual disease. No, it's sin. S-I-N. Sin. Not a disease. It's sin. So, when we start saying and we start justifying and rationalizing our sin, we are what? Deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in you. Galatians 6.3 If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Woo! Oh, come on now. Right? Thank you. Thank you, son. Thank you. Thank you. How many times do we puff ourselves up? We're something. Man, we've accomplished something in this life. When you begin to think you're something. Now here, I love this quote. Andrew Murray gave a great verse, or a great, um, a great quote, not a verse, it's not a Bible verse, it's a quote. A quote on, on humility. He said, God made the world out of nothing. So as long as I can remain nothing, then God can make something out of me. You see, that's the right attitude. It's not like, look at me, I'm something. It's saying, God, I'm nothing, you're everything. So you could turn me into something. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become a fool. Man. So when you start thinking about this, wise by what standards? The world's standards. What does the world say? It tells me to run after a career. I remember when my wife and I, we planted one of, one of our first churches. Somebody said, well, man, you should go preach one of those big churches and get real. I mean, that's where the money is. I remember people telling me that you need to get out of this and go do that because that's where the money is. You should have this career because that's where the money is. See, this world is trying to tell you that the world and life is all about money, prestige, power, popularity. That's wise by the world's standards, not by God's. When we think we've got the world figured out, we think we've got life figured out, be careful that you don't deceive yourselves. James 1.26, coming back to the book of James. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Woo! We praise God on a Sunday morning and then we walk out and we cuss like a sailor on a Monday morning. You're deceiving yourself. See, the devil, once he gets you to start walking down that road, right? He doesn't have to work anymore because you've already, he, he deceived you. Now you're deceiving yourself. Galatians 6, 9. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their own flesh. You're, when you're seeking to live life to please yourself, in other words, from the flesh you'll reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, you when you seek to please God, the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adult, uh, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't make it up. I didn't write it. See, God's not playing a game. In other words, God will not be mocked. He's not sitting around saying, oh, just do what you want to do, and everybody gets in. He's saying, listen, this is how it's going to be. You either love me and you'll follow me or you won't. It's that easy. Not easy, I guess it's that simple. Let me say it that way, it's that simple. You can't live like hell and get to heaven. He says, and that's what some of you were, past tense. But you were what? Washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. And what he's saying is, there was a change in your life. You used to do those types of things. But see, what happens is, you know what the world, the, the, the American church right now is saying? You can do all of that stuff and still get to heaven. God doesn't care because He loves you. He loves you, but He cares. So what, what, what you need to understand is that He's saying, listen, there, the only way that I'm getting to the kingdom of heaven is if there's something that changes in my life. Something has to change. You've got to be washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. How many of us needed this one? Huh? Think about this. This isn't just for high school kids. This is for adults too. Adults can start hanging out with the wrong people and all of a sudden find themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time and then you're guilty by what? Association. Who you choose to associate. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses. Wow, isn't this amazing how many times... And this was an easy, quick Bible search. All I had to do is work, look up the word deceived, and boom, do not be deceived. Don't deceive yourselves, boys. Thank you. So, all right. So now today what we're going to do is this. We're going to be talking about the fall in the garden. We're going to put it all together. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I wanted you to see how, how easily we are deceived and how easy we carry out self deception. I want to show you how it all began. I want us to really take a look. So, you know, I'm going to have the verses up here, but I want you to be, feel free to have your Bible open there. But here's the deal. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So there was a serpent. He was in this place, the garden. I'm going to have to back up here in a little bit, but I'm, I, I have a plan for when I do that. So, let's look at verses 2 through 4. The serpent speaks. So what happens is this. Now the serpent speaks. This is kind of like, like a play. That doesn't actually say the serpent speaks. But So they have the serpent. The, the play is like this. If we're setting the stage, we're in the garden. There's this tree of knowledge of good and evil you're not supposed to eat from. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're naked as jaybirds. And they feel no shame about it. And now the serpent enters the stage and he speaks to Eve. Did God really say so right here did God really say you must not eat from any I underlined it because it's something that we need to pick up on did God really say so there's a question he's questioning God right off the bat did God really say that you must not eat of any tree how are you gonna live you're gonna starve to death who is he that's not a very good God he's not giving you nothing 
You can't eat from any tree. You see? So deception starts with confusion. This is not deception full-blown yet. This is the starting point. So now Eve's sitting there. The devil's questioning her. She, he's, she's under the gun. She's under pressure, right? So let's go to the next. How does Eve reply? Eve replies, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say. So here's the direct, now she's directly quoting God. This is what God did say. You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. That is true. That's why I highlighted in yellow. And you must not touch it or you will die. I'm sitting there going, huh, did, actually, did God actually say that? So, did, you know, that's, that's the little arrows are my thoughts. And I'm like, did God really say that? And did, that, did, and did God say that to Eve specifically? So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to do a little bit of research. So when I, do, when I read the Bible, I write down, I'm showing you how I do this. This is when I'm sitting down and I'm writing it all out, I put a little arrow. Did God really say that? Now I have to go back and find out. Did God say that? Well, let's find out. In Genesis chapter 2, so the previous chapter to what we're studying, we got to go back and see when did God say this. First, in verse 7 of chapter 2 of Genesis, the Lord God formed man. Eve's not on the picture yet. Next verse, God made the garden. So God made man, then he goes, wow, I like you. I'm going to build you something special. I'm going to build you the most perfect garden that you've ever experienced, and I'm going to call it the Garden of Eden. God placed in the middle of the garden a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 9, that's chapter 2, verse 9. Then God placed man in the garden to work it and care for it. Verse 15, now God then commanded the man. Eve's not, she's not here yet. She's not there yet. It's just Adam and God. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That's what God said to Adam. That's a conversation between two people, God and Adam. Everybody following me? We're all there? This is pretty important. Okay, then the next part. Verse 18, the next verse. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Okay? Verse 22, God made Eve. Okay? So she was not there for that conversation, and there's no other recorded conversation about that command all the way until it's broke. You guys following me? Okay. Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. Back then, it was okay. Weird, but okay. I mean, like, it's just kind of weird, right? Kind of a weird conversation. See, I, I, you guys made me feel weird. Now I'm just going to let you guys feel weird a little bit. All right, so, and this feeling no shame is something to remember for the future part of the sermon. Now, come back to Genesis 2. The serpent said, did God really say? Eve replied. Now, the serpent replies back to her. You will not die. That's what the devil said. So she says, well, God did say, she, she quoted God partially right, but then she added to God's word, and now the devil comes right back, and he flat out lies. He flat out comes against the word of God. You will not die. Think about this. This is, I mean, so he is flat out now completely opposing truth. He's completely opposing and saying the complete opposite of what the word started out, right? God said this. 
Now he says, you will certainly die, Adam. You eat from that tree. The devil says, you won't die. So there's a lie. So deception starts with confusion. If I can get this girl confused about the word and what the word says, now I can start slipping in lies. When you don't know the word of God, then the serpent is going to begin to put in the lies. You're really, see, you mess up. You're not good enough. Oh, see, now what he's going to do is because you don't remember the truth. The moment you don't remember the truth, the devil's slipping in the lies. So if a deceiver can't conf- or can confuse you to the point of distorting the truth, then the deceiver can plant the lie. Deceiving starts with confusion that leads to distorting God's word that leads to lies being implanted into the distorted word that's in your head. You will certainly not die, he says to the woman. For God, so this is continuing. Now, he's adding temptation. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That's the temptation. So he's now trying, and, and, and what I love about this is Pastor Paul, I loved his, his, his uh, d- definition of temptation. The invitation to sin. The devil can't make Eve eat of that fruit. He can't do it. Can't make her. All he can do is invite her to do it. Temptation is the invitation. So he says, you, so he says, you won't die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. He says, do you, don't you want to be like God? Don't you want to be like him? He doesn't want you to eat it because he doesn't want you to be like it. So what he's doing is he's trying to show her a picture of what God didn't want her to have to deal with. And he's trying to make this picture sound so good. Don't you want to be like God? Knowing good and evil. Don't you want that? Don't you want to know? Don't you want to be like God and, and know this? See, God's holding out on you. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to say, God doesn't want you to have this. He doesn't want you to be like him. I'm trying to make God sound like a bad guy. Right? Now, I want to share, as we know, what the temptation is the invitation. He's not making her. He's inviting her. Don't you want, don't you want to be like God? Don't you want to know good and evil? James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Each person is tempted when they, everybody say they, are dragged away by their, everybody say their, own evil desire and entice. So what it's saying is that each person, you are tempted, you, it's your desire, it's you, you are the one being enticed, it's something that you want. Then after desire, so the, the, that sin is not the desire, We have a lot of desires that you don't have to act upon. Has any of you had a desire that you did not act upon? That was not sin to have the desire. It's that we got to put the desire in its place and say, no, I am not walking down that. But when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Then when you continue to sin, when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Now look at this. This is going to be neat. Genesis 3, 6. We're coming back to the passage where we left off. When the woman saw. 
See, here's the thing. The devil started off by, by throwing confusion. Did God really say you can't eat from any of this? And, and um, are, you, are you sure? You know, oh, you won't die because God knows this. So he's, he's enticing her. He's tempting. So now the woman is seeing the world differently now. Now when the woman saw... So now it's changing. Now she's looking at the fruit differently. Instead of looking at his disobedience, instead of looking at his rebellion against God, instead of saying, well, I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to not love him. I don't want to, I want to follow him. Now all of a sudden, now she's looking different. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree, see, then the focus is no longer on God, is it? Focus is not on God or concerning the truth. It's on what she wants. It's on her view now, this new distorted view of the church. Now she's looking at this fruit going, not thinking about what God said, now she's thinking about what the serpent said. That looks good. It, it looks good for food. It's, it's pleasing to the eye. It's desirable for food. What's really the big deal here? Everyone else is doing it. Kind of like the American motto. Focus is not on God and his desire for her life. He says, I don't want you to do this. Now she's coming up with her own focus. It's all on her and her desires. When the woman saw. How much, how much sin starts with our eyes? Think about this, right? How, when did David fall into sin with Bathsheba? When he saw her bathing, Right? How many sins start off with our eyes? Want greed is from our eyes. I want something I don't have. I want to keep up with the Joneses. I hope nobody's last name. Sorry if it is. So, you know, I mean, you have that, that, that meant. So it starts with our eyes. So check this out. This is really neat. I'm going to compare this verse now with John, 1 John 2.16. 1 John 2.16 said, For everything in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now check this out. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh. It's good for food. It's good for my body. Okay? The lust of the eyes. It was pleasing to my eyes. It looks good. I want it. And desirable for gaining wisdom. The pride of life. I want to be like God. Pride of life. Look at that. All the sin can be all sin can be wrapped up in one of those three categories. She fulfilled it right in the third chapter of the Bible, all of it right there. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how something at the very end of the Bible, and 1 John is one of the last books of the Bible, and it's describing how all sin falls into these three categories. And then the very first book of the Bible, third chapter, boom, here it's all laid out right in front of us. First sin looks just like the last sin. The sins that you struggle with today, no different than what Eve struggled with in the garden. Okay, ladies, y'all, you're all listening. Can we all agree to be friends after the next slide? Beforehand, can we all agree to be friends? How many of you are already agreeing that you will be my friend after the next slide? I'm only going to present the Bible, so some of the ladies are not convinced at all. Listen. If you don't like the next verses that I share, take it up with God or Pastor Paul. He's the complaint committee for today. I need you to show something. So yes, I'm going to come at the women for just a moment, but, but then in a little bit you'll get to elbow the husband because I'm coming after him, all right? So, 
when it says she took some of it, ate it, then she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. He was there. He didn't say a word. Now look at this. First, 2 Corinthians 11.3, Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning. doesn't say Adam. And 1 Timothy 2.14 says Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Now, I'm not saying that he didn't sin. He wasn't deceived. He wasn't the one tricked. He followed her into sin. He wasn't tricked. How is it that she's deceived and he wasn't? He ate the fruit, but he wasn't deceived. He willingly, knowingly broke God's commandment knowing the truth. Why, did he, why wasn't he deceived? Guys, because he already knew the truth. God told him the truth. Do not eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, for the day that you do it, you will certainly die. He knew the truth. Then how is it that she was deceived? That's what we got to find out. Huh? Guys, I didn't, you could look, I have all these verses here so that you can always look that up and check me. Make sure, fact check me. I know, ladies, we don't like it. I, I could see the glares. You know what, ladies, come on. Stop it. It's hard. Do you know that part of this is also the reason why the consequences came the way that they did? See, Eve took leadership. And she followed the serpent. Just saying. It's facts. Love you, honey. So, and then you know what the consequences became? Okay, immediately then God dealt with both of them. He says to the woman, because you did this, because you were deceived, because you followed the devil, you no longer get to lead in the home. Your desire is going to be for the man, but he will what? Not my words. Take it up with God if you don't like it. But you know what? What is the Bible? What do we already know? One of the self-deceptions is you read the word, but don't do what it says, right? How many, do you know what the greatest marital problem today in America and in the Christian home is? The woman won't follow the man. And then you know how many times in counseling I hear, well, you don't know what he's like. And I just so nicely say, you married him. It's your choice. You said yes. What were you thinking? I'm sorry. I'm, but seriously, we're still friends. We promised we would be friends. No, so I'm going to get stoned in the, You've made a good choice, honey. And I got all the dance moves. So, all right, sorry. All right, prom. Okay, so, now let me turn this over to the guys, though, because the guys don't get off the hook. And if, you, and if anyone knows me, there is one thing you know, men never get off the hook with me, ever, ever. I'm harder on the men than anyone else because of what the station that God created us to do and to be. Thing is, is that I, I'm not as hard on the women, and, and, but I, I hold them to the truth as well. But here's the deal. I am a man. I will hold all men accountable. Look at this. So, why was Adam not deceived? He ate from the tree, right? He knew the truth. I already said that. He knew the truth because God had told him the truth. Well, how was she deceived? Eve was deceived because she, she didn't know that full truth. She wasn't there on the day truth was presented. So Adam didn't instruct her well. He didn't teach her well. He didn't do his job. 
He was here first. God gave him the command. He was then to give her the command. And he messed it up. So here's the thing. When in, in, the, in the Old Testament, there are three things that we see men hold in the Old Testament. We saw them hold kingship. We saw them hold priesthood. We saw them hold the prophets. Right? A prophet was one who stood against sin. They called it out. This is what God says. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box kind of thing, right? And then you have the priest who was instructing the people in the ways of God. The king was leading the nation. That's all three places every man in the home should be. He should be the king of his home. Now under the headship of Christ, do not miss that, lowercase king, because God is the king of all kings, but I should be the leader of my house. I should lead my home in the way that it should go. As a priest, I should be teaching my family the ways of God. And as a prophet, I should stand against sin going on in my home. He failed at all three. When the serpent brought up a lie, the prophet in him should have said, No, Eve, that is a lie. But he didn't say anything. When she saw that and she went out to take it before she ate it, Eve, no, we're not doing that. I love you and you're smoking hot, but we are not going down that road. Ain't going to happen. We're not doing that. He should have led instead of following in that moment. He should have put his foot down and said, no, we are not doing this. As a priest of his home, he should have taught her exactly what God said and he should have taught her not to add to the word. And I'm not trying to show that women are inferior in any way. I'm saying this is what he should have done as the man of the home. When men don't, when men aren't men, there's a big problem in the home. Because God created us to do that. Now let me ask you women, because you know, now that you're thoroughly upset with me. Um, if you had a man who loved the Lord with all of his heart. And he taught the family the words of God accurately as a priest would and he stood against wrong for the name of God and he led in such a godly way how many of you women I want you to show me your hands how many of you women would absolutely follow that kind of a man point made we just need those kind of men to rise up We need men to start being who God created them to be. And women, don't settle for nothing less. Don't settle. We have so many women settling for guys, that these men that are still boys. They don't even know what it means to be a man. They don't know how to make decisions. They don't know how to follow God. There is no man that's ever going to come to ask for my daughter's hand who doesn't love the Lord more. He will not get my permission. If you do not love Jesus more than you love my daughter, you can't have her. Because only will a man who loves the Lord more be able to love my daughter the way that she deserves to be loved. The only way. Now listen to this. Very next verse. Then the eyes of both of them were open. Listen to this. They were open and they realized now they're naked. They were earlier naked and felt no shame. Now they realize they're naked. So then they're like, oh boy, this is not good. They sewed fig leaves together 
made themselves some clothes, made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. This is a normal thing. They would walk with the Lord in the garden, but they heard Him walking in the cool of the day, and they hid. They hid from the Lord. The Lord called the man, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you you were naked? Well, now we've got to deal with the accuser. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, now the devil's in their ear letting them know how terrible of a person they are. Now accusations can't come until sin has already taken place. Can it? How can you accuse somebody of sin until sin has happened? Who told you? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I told you not to? I commanded you not to eat? Mm. See, here's what happens when, when sin enters in. Adam and Eve were naked. They felt no shame. That was chapter 2, Genesis 2.25. Now, Genesis 3.10. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You see, shame is from the devil, not from God. I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me well. Shame is not from God. Sorrow is from God. You see, in the book, or in, the, in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, godly sorrow leads us to repentance that leads us to salvation. Shame is the game of the devil. The shame game is the devil's game. He wants you to feel shame because shame leads to fear. Fear leads to hiding from God. How many times have you messed up and then decided that you couldn't talk to God and, and ask for forgiveness? How many of you have done that? How many of you then also said, well, I can't go to church because I'm too bad? How many of you not gone to church have appeared in your life because you were too bad to go to church? You know how many people still tell me, man, if I go into that church, it'll burn down. I'm like, I got great insurance. Come on. We'll just build again. Right now in the middle of a building project, we don't want to talk about that. Sorrow comes from the Lord. Shame comes from the devil. Shame is caused by the devil's accusations. Sorrow is caused by the Spirit's conviction. Shame leads to fear and hiding. Sorrow leads to repentance and restoration. So let me kind of show you how this all plays out. Deception begins with confusion. Then the truth begins to be distorted because now that you're confused, the devil's throwing in lies. When, and I'll get to that in a second, I better not. So the next one is temptation, then temptation. So a desire for that false, for that lie, the lie that was presented, now there's a desire that's building for it, that's temptation. So the devil, he's the deceiver, the liar, the tempter, and the accuser. Now that I have sinned, fallen in sin, now the accusations of the devil, his shame sets in, fear causes us to hide. See how they all play together? That's who the devil is. So check this out. Why did the devil fail in his attempts at tempting Jesus? I want you to think about this. When in, in, in the book of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus went to the wilderness for 40 days, had not eaten, and, and all of a sudden now the devil shows up and he's trying to tempt him to turn rocks into, into bread, and he has all these different temptations. Check this out. You can't tempt the truth. The truth is the truth. You can't lie to the truth. You can't deceive the truth. You can't accuse the truth because you know the truth. And it is the truth that sets you free. It is the truth that sets you free. 
See, when you know the truth and you hold the truth and you stand on the truth, the devil can't get to you. Why did Eve fail in the garden? Because she didn't know the truth. She didn't resist the devil. She didn't even have to have that conversation with him. She could have said, get away from me. In the name of Jesus, get away from me. I don't want you. I don't want you here. Because she didn't focus on God. That's why she failed. Complete difference. It is important to know who your enemy is. Now you know who he is. Now what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You know that he's a liar. You know that he's a tempter. You know that he's a deceiver. You know that he's an accuser. You know that he's doing all of these things. Many of you are still battling with the lies in your life. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you are still struggling with feelings, with feelings of not being good enough? Raise your hand. How many of you are still struggling with with fears of failing? I'm going to let my family down. I'm going to let my wife down. I'm going to let my husband down. I'm going to let my kids down. How many of you are still struggling with fear? You see, that's a lie. See, the lie, the the truth of God's word. How many of you felt like that you were in an accident, that you shouldn't even be here? How many of you, honestly, I'm an accident, I shouldn't even be here. I was a mistake. How many of you felt like you were a mistake? Listen to me. That is a lie straight from hell. The Bible says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the truth. See, God's word is truth. But he has planted a lie. So your decision is simple. I didn't say easy. Simple. You're either going to continue to believe the lie and walk into a life of self-deception or you will stand on the truth because it's the truth that sets you free. You want to be set free from the truth or from the lies? Then you've got to stand on the truth. I'm a child of God. I was wonderfully and fearfully made by the hands of God. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 139 that He knit you together. God Almighty knit you together in your mother's womb. So don't believe another lie. Don't allow yourself to be deceived for another moment. So many of us will walk out of those doors today and we'll walk right back into the same deception that we've been living in for years because we won't stand on the truth of God's Word. So today, I'm asking you to be bold and strong. If there is a lie that you've been believing, if you have already walked in deception, I'm asking you to come right now, before I'm done inviting you, right now, come to the altar, and we're going to put it down today. If there is a lie that you've been buying, if you have been walking in any form of deception, this isn't a shame on you. This is, I'm getting done with this stuff. 
I am done. Today is the day. I am taking my life back today. The devil has no hold on me today. I'm done with him. Today's the day that we resist him. The day's the day that we take off and we take on the truth and we push out the lie. If you're tired of the lies, then put them down. Today's the day you tell him that he can go back to hell where he belongs, that he has no place in your life. You resist Him in the name of Jesus today here at this altar. You put it down. You put those lies down and you don't pick them up again. We're done with that. And the moment He begins to speak in your ear and the moment He begins to try to tell you that you're still insignificant, that you're still inadequate, you say, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. Don't give him an ounce. Don't give him an inch. And now that you're taking back your life, you now begin to go back home and you take your home back. 